welcome back, baseball fans, to another edition of On Deck, presented by Deep Dive Sports. We are in episode 10. I'm your host, Greg. I'm joined, as always, by Jeff and Dom. What's going on, guys? Hey. Hey, how's it going? Good, good, good. Well, as you all know, the trade deadline ended on the 2nd of August, and so we got a lot to talk about with uh, what trades happened, who are the winners and losers in that trade deadline. We're going to talk about the impact of the Juan Soto trade. Obviously, that was massive, so we're going to talk about that in detail. We're going to go into the best and worst trade trade deadline moves ever made in baseball history. Who's the worst? We're going to go through our standings. We're going to talk to Dom about his GM skills in his fantasy league again, seeing if he uh, he made some mistakes or if he's uh, reaping the benefits of his, his, his trades. So we'll talk about that. We're actually going to add a new segment this week. We're going to talk to Jeff about baseball cards. Jeff is an avid baseball card collector, and so he's shown me so many different cards that he's got over the last couple of weeks. And so I said, let's talk about baseball cards with him and, and say what he's got this week, uh, some good ones, some bad ones. So, and then we'll do one fact about baseball, something that you guys didn't know. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but we'll try to stump each other with those. So, moving on, our first topic of the night, it is the trade deadline moves. So, I'm going to kind of just run down a few of the ones that I uh, thought were, were pretty big and impactful, and then we'll let the guys discuss what they thought was the most important ones out of that. So, Obviously, the Padres acquired outfielder Juan Soto and first baseman Josh Bell for pitcher Mackenzie Gore, infielder C.J. Abrams, and Luke Vogt in three prospects. Uh, Padres acquired Josh Hader from Brewers for pitchers Taylor Rogers and Lament, outfielder Ruiz, and prospect Grazer or Gazer. Uh, the Yankees acquired pitcher Frankie Montas and pitcher Lou Trevino for four prospects. They acquired uh, Inglesias from the Angels for pitcher Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson. Twins are Jorge Lopez from the Orioles for four pitching prospects. And the Phillies acquired pitcher Noel uh, Syndergaard and outfielder Brandon Marsh from the Angels for Montauk, uh, Logan, Hope and Sanders. Uh, the Red Sox acquired first baseman uh, Eric Hosmer, um, Hosmer and uh, two prospects from the Padres for Broom. And then the Dodgers acquired Joey Gallo from the Yankees uh, for prospects uh, Clayton Beater. Obviously, there's a lot more trades that happened, but that was kind of the ones that I thought were the, the biggest impactful. But I'm going to turn it over to the guys. So, Jeff, I'm going to start with you. What did you think line uh, going in? Yeah, a lot of craziness this year, especially with the Padres, obviously, but we're going to talk about that later. Uh, so another one for my winners, uh, I got the Yankees. Like you said, they got Montas and Trevino. Uh, they also got Ben Benintendi. Yeah. I uh, like that move. And then they uh, got Harrison Bader for Montgomery. So with them getting Montas, I could see them getting rid of Montgomery pretty. Makes sense to me. Uh, I think the Reds actually did pretty well this year, too. Um Obviously, it's a bit of a rebuild mode, so getting Castillo to the Mariners, Tyler Malley to the Twins, uh, Brandon Drury to San Diego, and Tyler Naquin to the Mets. And total, we required 10 total top prospects, and we're in rebuild mode anyway, so why not get what you can? And I know these minor league guys 
already in their first few appearances are killing it. Uh, Nelby Marte actually hit a two-homer game in his first appearance with Dayton, or our minor league team. Uh, and pretty excited about the guys that we got out of all the uh, trades. Good. Good. What about you, Dom? Um, well, I agree, Jeff. Um, the Yankees, I think, definitely were a winner at the trade deadline. I think there was, there was definitely room for improvement in that pitching staff, and I think they very much addressed those um, weaknesses. Um, so overall, I was kind of impressed with what they were able to do. I think one other winner at the trade deadline, maybe under the radar, but I think the Mariners, I like what they did. They're a team that's been on fire for the past, you know, two months or so. But they were kind of lacking some pitching depth, and I think getting Luis Castillo really shows that they're going for a playoff spot this year uh, for the first time since, what, 2002? First time in 20 years that they'll make the playoffs. And I think Luis Castillo really could put this pitching rotation over the edge because the pitching rotation has gotten a lot better. And I think adding Luis Castillo to that, really could put them over the top. What are some of your losers in this trade deadline that we saw? Um, I think the, the biggest loser for me, I think, is the Cleveland Guardians. Um, you know, a team that I usually talk pretty highly of, and um, I really like a lot of the moves that the front office has made over the past couple of years. I think they're great at judging prospect talent and developing players. But we're surprisingly in the middle of a playoff push. We're now a game and a half out of first place. And there are some definite holes on this roster that they could have filled and really not paid that much for them. Um, you know, you look at catcher, definitely could have used an improvement at catcher because um, we've gotten absolutely no offensive production from the catching position. First base, we have Josh Naylor playing first base. He's done really well, but defensively, he could be kind of lacking. Um, I think we definitely could have used an improvement there. And then just the bullpen and pitching staff in general, I think we could have used another arm of that bullpen and another arm of that pitching rotation because they've been kind of inconsistent as well. And the fact that I, we just got a relief pitcher from the Twins for Sandy Leone, I, I think there were some definite missed opportunities. Yeah. What about you, Jeff? What are your, some of your losers in this uh, scenario, this this trade deadline? Some of the losers, I got your Red Sox, actually. Uh, I definitely expected them to – it was just kind of a weird trade deadline for them. They traded away uh, Vasquez. Uh, they kept J.D. Martinez. I expected him to be traded. Uh, Bogarts obviously didn't sign that extension and didn't trade him. You acquired Hosmer and Tommy Pham from the Reds. I thought that was interesting as well. And they're sitting at the bottom of that uh, division. So it's just kind of confusing because it kind of feels like a, do you, are they buyers? Are they sellers? And you kind of got a mix. And I don't know. I thought it was weird. But then another loser I have is both the Chicago teams, the Cubs. You know, they had those emotional, what we thought were going to be goodbyes with Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras. And the trade deadline came, and here they are. They're still with the Cubs. They could have got some top prospects for those guys, and they're obviously in rebuild mode. They're actually sitting at the bottom of the NL Central now. And the White Sox, they didn't really do anything, and they're also in a race for the AL Central with Cleveland and the Twins. So just some uh, confusing stuff from them. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I with the Red Sox, I, I mean, I, I think that they they picked up Fam because I mean Jackie Bradley Jr. They they released him. Um, you know, they they, which I feel like is the biggest dumbest move. You know, they get rid of Hunter Renfro to the Brewers to get Jackie Bradley back, and then he just basically wets the bed and d- does nothing. Um, so, and and as far as Hosmer goes, like that that's a need at first base, and they need at least somebody who's gonna, um, you know fill that role that's a little bit better than, than the rookie they got going in there right now. Um, as far as uh, some of my winners go so thus far, I think the Houston Astros, like you mentioned with uh, getting rid of Vasquez from the Red Sox, but uh, you know, he's a, he's a big bat. He's a, he's a presence on the, the plate. So I always definitely think the Astros picked up that they tricked up, picked up Trey Mancini, uh, Will Smith and Jaden Murray. So I thought that was a really good pickup for them. Um, as far as the losers go for me, um, the Baltimore Orioles, uh, I mean, losing Trey Manzini, Lopez, and, and you know, out a whole bunch of cash, and they really didn't gain back too much. I think uh, Seth Johnson and Juan Rojas and Brett Phillips in the outfield, I, I just I didn't see that was too big of a pickup. I think the, the Orioles are – I think they were kind of surprised to find themselves in the situation they were, they're in. I think they kind of had a plan going into this season, and they figured no matter what, we're just going to stick to this plan and try to still work on this rebuild and gain and develop top prospects. So I had, I don't know. But, I mean, they're they're in a wild card push, and they traded away some of their best players. Kind of yeah, confusing. Yeah. Do it really good, and then you just say, oh, well, I guess we'll get something more game for them. Yeah, and how about Mancini with Houston, though? His first hit was a home run, and then his next game he had another home run and a grand slam. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Showing they shouldn't have gotten rid of him, so. (laughs) All right, so I know we've talked about a lot, and obviously, you know, the – the big, the big thing that happened was this Juan Soto trade. Uh, he, he's basically, in my eyes, he is the the most most valuable player to ever be traded in Major League Baseball ever, and almost in any sport ever, outside of maybe in the NBA. This was just the one of the biggest moves that, that, that I've ever seen. I, you know. Obviously, the Padres got Juan Soto, Josh Bell, Hader, Brandon Dury, Gallagher, and Grome. Um, but they got rid of Hosmer, Voigt, Abrams, a uh, whole list of other stuff to get all those guys. But what do you guys think? Dom, I'm going to start with you. Uh, how big was this trade? Uh, it, massive. <laughs> I think that's kind of an understatement. Um, honestly, this this is a trade where I think both teams kind of won. The Nationals kind of realize they need to they need to completely tear it down and rebuild. They're one of the worst teams in baseball. They got one of the best players in baseball that's not going to re-sign with them, so it makes no sense to hold on to them and let them walk for free. Um, so they're, I think I read that their farm system went from one of the worst-rated farm systems in baseball to I think it's a top-10 farm system now after this Juan Soto trade. And – the Padres, they're obviously in win-now mode. I don't know how they keep pulling off these big trades. I don't know how they still have prospects to trade because it seems like every year they get two or three blockbuster trades. Um, but they're going for it this year. Uh, I think the next two years they kind of view that as their window. 
And honestly, next year, or we don't know what Totis is going to be like when he comes back, but that lineup is going to be absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, that, that lineup is just stacked. I look at the stat sheet on that, and just it, it blew me away. Jeff, what about you? What's your your thoughts on this this trade? How impactful is it going to be? Yeah, it's insanely impactful. Probably the most impactful trade I've seen in my lifetime. And I 100% agree with Dom that it's good for both sides. Uh, you know, the Nats obviously kind of got the message when Soto declined 15 years, $440 million. So I kind of feel like we all knew that a trade was coming. Uh, plus, yeah, the rebuilding uh, nationals, you get three of those prospects that were traded immediately into their top five of prospect. Another one was a top 10. And Mackenzie Gore, I think he's going to be a great pitcher. You know, he's up and coming. Uh, Luke Voigt, you know, fills the hole for Josh Bell at first. Josh Bell, I think, super underrated for the Padres. You know, hmm. even though he's got two all-star nods, he's still a great player. And then they went out and got Jury from the Reds and – He's super underrated. He kind of came out of nowhere. It's funny. His first hit as a Padre was a grand slam. <laughs> so we can definitely see the impact already. Uh, the Nationals, they may already be getting a 2023 draft pick because they're probably going to finish with the league's worst record. And I think another interesting piece from this was the drama with Hosmer because when it was being reported, we all saw that he was a part of the trade. But he had a no trade clause and he's denied it, and so we're all sitting here like, how do you not make sure that it's okay with this player that has a no-trade clause before announcing the trade? I just thought that was kind of crazy, too. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, obviously, the, he had some teams on his list that were, were acceptable, and Boston was one of them. But, yeah, I saw that, too, where he's like, no, nope, I'm not going to go there. That's You're not going to put me to, there to just put my <laughs> career. It's not going to happen. Well, anything else you guys want to add to this trade deadline talk that we've uh, talked about before we move on? No. Well, obviously, over the course of uh, many years of Major League Baseball, we've had some some fantastic trade deadline moves that have happened that have obviously been super impactful, and we've had some ones that, uh, that let some gems go. So we're going to talk about the worst and best trade deadline moves that we believe have ever happened. So, Jeff, I'm going to start with you on one. yeah for my best i just kind of had the entire 2008 trade deadline uh because that was just a lot of fun that year a lot of craziness uh i think one of the more interesting ones from that was uh mark texiera was traded to the angels after only a year of the braves trading for him and it was for casey kochman and a non-prospect steve merrick after the season, Texiero would go off to sign with the Yankees as the free agent. And this was back when you would get a draft compensation pick if a free agent left. So the Angels were awarded a first-round draft pick from the Yankees. And you know who they got with that pick? Mike Trout. Mike Trout. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine if the Yankees took Mike Trout? Oh, that'd be and insane. Into the farm system? You'd probably yep. have a series ring and actually be in the playoffs. <laughs> I know, right? So with, you know, you get a year of Texiera and you get Mike Trout and all you gave up was Casey Kutchman. <laughs> like, that's nuts. And then in that same year, Stacey, Stacey Sabathia would go to Milwaukee. 
uh, almost winning a Cy Young, even though he only pitched for two months. Uh, the Red Sox traded Manny Ramirez to the Dodgers. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. would be traded from the Reds to the White Sox. Ivan Rodriguez went from the Yankees to Detroit, or went to, yeah, the Yankees from Detroit. And the Phillies, who would go on to win the World Series, only traded for Joe Blanton with all those big names, yet they won the World Series. <laughs> so that's also pretty interesting. <laughs> uh, so just pick is the entire 2008 season. <laughs> all right, so what are your, your worst trades that you've ever seen during the trade, the trade deadline? For the worst, I'm going to go with my Reds. Uh, in 1965, Bill DeWitt, our owner, figured that Frank Robinson was going to slow down. You know, he's about to hit 30, and we traded him to Baltimore for a couple pitchers. And in his first year in Baltimore, you know what he did? He went out, won MVP, and won the Triple Crown. 316 batting average, 49 homers, and 122 ribbies. But he was slowing down. Yeah, he's slowing down for sure. <laughs> Six seasons in Baltimore, he would get five all-star nods. He'd finish top ten in MVP voting four times, as well as winning the one. And all of this was over the age of 30. <laughs> then after he retired, he would even go on to manage the O's. So all that for a pitcher that would last 51 games with the Reds, an outfielder that recorded 34 hits through two seasons, pretty lopsided. I'm sorry, that's the most red trade ever. Isn't it? <laughs> Ohio tends to do that with their teams, if we haven't noticed already. Yeah, so it, it hurts. It hurts All right, All right Dom, uh, I'm going to start with you. What is your best and worst? Um, so best, since Jeff took the entire twenty or 2008 uh, trade deadline, he stole one of mine. Um, CC Sabathia going to Milwaukee. Um, obviously, you know, the Indians got in the, back in that trade, Michael Brantley, Matt Laporta, and Rob Bryson. Obviously, Michael Brantley ended up being the star of that trade. He I mean, he was with the team for, what, eight, nine years? Became one of the best player, uh, best pure hitters in baseball. Um, CC Sabathia arguably potentially saved baseball in Milwaukee because they, they were struggling for attendance, really not being relevant for a while. Then CC comes, they make a playoff push. He almost wins the Cy Young, and they've been top 15 in attendance every season since then. So who knows what would have happened to Milwaukee baseball if you know CC never showed up, even though he, he left. The impact that he had in that short amount of time, the, they, the fans there in Milwaukee just got hooked on baseball and haven't really looked back since. Galvanized the fan base. That's awesome. Oh, absolutely. Um, then the worst, Montreal Expos trading Randy Johnson to the Seattle Mariners in 1989. Um, the guy that potentially could have saved the Expos because they were a team that couldn't hold on to any stars, traded away arguably one of the greatest pitches of all time for some guys that I probably have to Google their names to know any information about them because I don't know anything about them. <laughs> and we know what happened to the Expos in 2005, moving to Washington and becoming the Nationals. So who knows what the Expos could have been if they were able to hold on to Randy Johnson and develop him into the pitcher that we all knew that or that we saw him to be. It's, it's, it's a big what if, but yeah. <laughs> Trading away Randy Johnson, that young into his career. 
you've done screwed up. I mean, and I, a little bit of Randy Johnson. I mean, his early career, he was he had a little bit of trouble throwing some strikes. So you know what I mean. He didn't. He developed into that that major league pitcher yeah. that you know we all know him for. So. All right. Well, my my best and worst are uh, a, a, a hate and a love, and I'm going to start with the, the the team I hate, but they had the best uh, you know trade deadline uh, move that I I thought was so in 2000, the Yankees traded for David Justice, and he went on to hit 305 with 20 home runs in 78 games for the Yankees, and went on to win ALCS MVP that year and then help the Yankees do a three-peat. Uh, so that was uh, definitely uh, the most impactful. And but I hate the Yankees, but, you know, that, that was that, that's something that was pretty amazing that he, uh, he contributed wholly to that, to that three-peat, so, or at least that third, third win. And my, my worst trade, um, so did you know that when the Mariners traded – uh, some players with the Twins. The player to be named later from the Mariners turned out to be Big Poppy. Really? Get out of here. Nope. Wow. 1996, Mariners traded a then, uh, obviously, young uh, David Ortiz um, in their farm system. He was a player to be named later when they traded him to the Twins. And... Obviously, Twins gave up on him after, you know, so many years, and he went on to, uh, you know, I think in 2003, he was traded to um, the Red Sox, and the rest is history. I mean, now he's a Hall of Famer, so. Uh, Can you imagine what the Mariners could have been with Ichiro and David Ortiz in that lineup? <laughs> it's just phenomenal. So, yeah, that, so the Mariners had the, the, the worst – uh, the worst trade for me. You know what's surprising? None of us mentioned the Red Sox giving up on Babe Ruth and selling him to the Yankees. I, f- I feel like maybe that was too obvious. I was thinking about it, but I was like, that's too obvious of a horrible trade to, to mention. You are, I mean, the Reds weird. were almost buyers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of crazy things have happened, so... <laughs> All right, moving on to our standing rundown. I'm going to start with the American League East, and the New York Yankees are 70 and 39. They're on a little bit of a slip. They are four and six in their last 10, and they've lost five in a row. Uh, Toronto is 60 and 48. Uh, They are six and four in their last 10. Tampa is 58 and 50. They are five and five in their last 10. You've got Baltimore at 56 and 52. They are seven and three in their last 10. You get the Red Sox at 54 and 56. They are four and six in their last 10. Moving on to American League Central, we've got uh, Minnesota at 57 and 51. They are five and five in their last 10. You've got the Guardians at 56 and 52. They are six and four in their last 10. The White Sox are 55 and 53. They are six and four in their last 10. Kansas City is 44 and 65. They are five and five in their last 10. And Detroit is 43 and 67. They are three and seven in their last 10. Moving along to the American League West, you've got Houston sitting at 70 and 40. They are five and five in their last 10. Mariners at 59 and 51. They are five and five in their last 10. 
You got the Rangers 48 and 60. They are four and six in their last 10. And you've got the Angels 46 and 63. They are also four and six in their last 10. And you've got Oakland 41 and 68, five and five in their last 10. Moving on to the National League East. You have the Mets 70 and 39. They are eight and two in their last 10. Atlanta is 64 and 46. They are five and five in their last 10. If the Phillies making a little bit of a push. They are 60 and 48, nine and one in their last 10. You got Miami 49 and 59. They are three and seven in their last 10. And you got the Nationals at 36 and 74, two and eight in their last 10. National League Central has St. Louis at 60 and 48. They are nine and one in their last ten. You've got Milwaukee at four. Or I'm sorry, fifty-eight and fifty. They are four and six in their last ten. The Reds in the middle, not in the bottom anymore. Forty-four and sixty-three. They are six and four in their last ten. You've got the Pirates at forty-four and sixty-four. They are four and six in their last ten. You got the Cubs sitting at the bottom, forty-three and sixty-four. There are three and seven in their last ten. And finishing off, they've got the National League West. You've got the Dodgers at 74 and 33. They are 9 and 1 in their last 10. San Diego, 61 and 49. They are 6 and 4 in their last 10. Giants, 53 55. They are 5 and 5 in their last 10. Arizona, 48 59. They are 4 and 6 in their last 10. And Colorado, 48 63. They are 3 and 7 in their last 10. So, guys, what do you think? What is your take on the standings as we speak of right now? I'll start with you, Jeff. Yeah, like you said, Reds, look at that. Third place in the NL Central. Who would have thought after that start that we've had? So it's really hard to believe they've come this far, especially with the lineup that we have right now. Uh, and the Cubs sitting at the bottom and didn't do anything at the trade deadline. Very interesting. Uh, plus, we got that Field of Dreams game and series coming up. So... That's something to look forward to with those two. Uh, the Phillies, they're really gunning for an NL wildcard spot. Pretty impressed with how they've been playing. Uh, St. Louis has overtaken Milwaukee in the NL Central, so I think St. Louis may be sitting on top for the rest of the season, honestly. And Austin, man, just kind of pitiful. I don't know if they're like, is it time to give up on the wild card with the way Seattle's been playing and Toronto? So not too sure with them. That AO wild card is going to be nuts. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Dom, what about you? Yeah, I agree with Jeff a lot. Um, I'm still really surprised with the Orioles. They, you know, they traded away some of their best players, seven and three in their last 10 games. Uh, I Eventually, they'll probably start to cool down, but it looks like getting rid of their closer and Trey Mancini, they haven't slowed down at all. Um, I'm really surprised by that. Um, other than that, uh, the Angels, man, I, I don't know what happened to this team. The, it's This might be the most disappointing team in baseball for me because they had such high hopes going into the season with Trout and Otani coming off the season that he had. They got off to a really good start. We're like, okay, are, are the Angels for real? Can they finally contend? Are we finally going to see Mike Trout in the playoffs? And then they – I don't know what happened to this team, but they completely fell apart. And they're – what do you say? They're what, 46 and, and 63, four and six in the last 10. And Otani said, yeah, losing all this much, it kind of is hard to be motivated at this point. So, uh, the same amount of losses as the Reds. Isn't that insane when you look at yeah. where they were? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, at, at what point are they going to get rid of their GM? I don't know how, how many times they've gotten new GMs, but I I don't know what. how hard can it be to build a team around Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. I feel like any one of us can come in and, and do a little bit of a better job. Oh, yeah, completely. Not even a question. I think my biggest, uh, you know, like kind of moment is that just the Dodgers have just been, been – on fire nine and one in their last 10. I mean, it just, it seems like I watched the game a couple nights ago and it just seemed like they put up eight runs in the first three innings and they were just, everybody was crushing the ball. It was fantastic. And honestly, the, the adding Joey Gallo to the, to the mix, like, I, I, you know, maybe it changed the scenery. Like his bat might start exploding too. It's just like, I mean, everybody, you know, Trey Turner, just everybody, Freddie Freeman, Everybody on that list, the lineup's already stacked, and they are just playing lights out baseball. I know we talked about, you know, the Yankees and how great they're doing, and this is a, a season that you haven't seen. But you know, but after the trade deadline, look at the Yankees. You know, therefore, like I said, four and six in their last ten, and 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 Dodgers are just crushing it. So uh, it's fun to see, and I might have to change my my opinion and say that Dodgers might be the World Series champs if they continue to play the way they did. It's just, it's just phenomenal. It's hard to disagree. But watch Joey Gallo grow that beard back out and suddenly rake again. <laughs> and Maybe it was that, the beard that he needed. Mm-hmm. Some, sometimes that is, and the Yankees have that. The, you know, you got to be clean cut and no beards and stuff. You can't show your tats and all this, that, and the other. And and some guys just don't play that 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 way. You know what I mean? They have to be put in more relaxed environment and then they, they excel. So, so I'm definitely for it. All right. Moving on to our next topic. Dom is GM of a fantasy baseball league, and he's got some exciting things he wants to talk to us about. So Dom, take it away. Yeah. So in the one league that I'm in, um, this is the league where I had Jacob DeGrom and I'm still sitting atop the, the whole league. I got like a two game lead on the guy in second place. So I'm sitting at like 12 and three right now, sitting pretty good, going to lose this week, unfortunately, but I didn't really have that many starting pitchers go this week. Middle of July, I I think I panic sold Jacob DeGrom. And, you know, he was about to come off the injury list and I was reading he's going to be on a heavy pitch count. And, you know, we all know he's pretty injury prone. So I was like, I'm in, I'm in a championship push here. I don't know if I want to – really rely on a guy on a pitch count and I don't know what I'm getting out of him because he hasn't pitched all season. So I was like, okay, I can see what I can try to get for DeGrom based off of his trade, like based off of his name. And I was in talks with a guy in the league for Carlos Rodon and I was going to give up some other prospects or not prospects, but like other players and get other players back. It was going to be a pretty big trade. And he ended up trading him to another team the team that I'm about to lose to this week or no, uh, a different team. Sorry. I'll go over that trade, but I ended up trading Jacob deGrom and Paul Blackburn for Luis Garcia. Paul Blackburn was he, he fell off a cliff. He was doing pretty well for me. And Luis Garcia, he was averaging um, in the league that I'm in. Uh, we do ESPN. He was averaging like 35, like 30 points a game. So I'm like, okay, that that's a pretty good arm. I don't know what I'm getting with, with deGrom. Paul Blackburn was getting me like five points a game. So like I'm getting ready to get rid of him. And I had to get rid of two players to make room 
for any trade because if I were to just trade DeGrom for a player, then I'd have too many players on my roster. So I'm like, okay, I got to get rid of two to get one back. I thought Luis Garcia, he hasn't been bad for me. He's actually been pretty good, but DeGrom has been very good at his first two outings. Um, I think still on a pretty heavy pitch count. I think his, his first start, he only threw like 65 pitches, but still had um, a quite pretty good outing. And then we all know what he did today. I think he pitched, what, six, seven innings, struck out like eight batters and completely destroyed me this week. Um, kind of ironic that he's going to be the reason why I lose this week. But the other team, the team that I was – originally in talks with to trade DeGrom, he ended up trading Jazz Krishom Jr., Cedric Mullins, Carlos Rodon, and Eric Lauer for Hugh Darvis and Max Scherzer. Wow. Yeah, big trade. Um, yeah. yeah, so I'm losing this week because Eric Lauer pitched out of his mind. Carlos Rodon was Carlos Rodon, and Cedric Mullins and Jazz Krishom are damn good players themselves. So I think I panic sold. I kind of regret it, but the fear of the unknown with Jacob DeGrom, I think kind of got the best of me. So what are you more mad at yourself that, that you could have had the trade with the other guy or the fact that you traded DeGrom in general? A little bit of both because I feel like I could have gotten more for him. Um, I was like talking to four other guys in the league and um, one guy just didn't want DeGrom because he was too injury prone. And the other guy just didn't want to trade at all. So I'm like, okay, this is like the only other option I got because the guy that made this big trade already traded the guy that I really wanted. So I'm like, okay, uh, what other option do I have at this point? So, yeah, I kind of regret trading him, but who knows? If he's still on a heavy pitch count for the rest of the season and gets injured, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Might be a bit of a waiting game, especially if the Mets get a little closer to postseason. Are like, yeah, you know what? We're not really going to throw them out there that long. Yeah, and I mean, in all honesty, I'm still I'll, I'll be 12 and four, but my rotation is still really good. I got Garrett Cole, um, Julio uh, Urias, Sandy Alcantara, Kyle Wright, Nestor Cortez. Um, Jose Quintana has been a fantastic pickup for me. I, he was just a free agent. I just went and signed him like a month ago. Um, and then Cole Urban's been pretty good too. So overall, uh, pitching staff's not bad, but I think my lineup is really what puts me over the edge at times. All right. We'll tune in next time for to see how, how any he's did, done any other trades and uh, what, what league he well, uh, is sitting at. Luckily, the trade deadline passed, so uh, I can't mess up the team anymore. Can't mess up anymore. But I'm not sure how fantasy works with that stuff. So, all right, moving on to our next topic, we're going to talk baseball cards with Jeff. So I'm just going to let you take it away. What do you got, Jeff? Yeah. So yesterday was actually International Trading Card Day, and there was a promotion that local hobby shop. There was a list that got put out of participating places. So I went to my local one and. Uh, just walking in, they handed me a, a trading card day exclusive set from top, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, and in that set, I actually ended up getting Yelich, Wilson Contreras, Spencer Torkelson, Carlos Correa, and Mike Trout. So pretty cool cards to have. They have a little exclusive trading card day logo on them. 
just for spending $10 worth of top cards, they also gave me an exclusive Otani card. So that's another cool one to have. I also picked up a Beckett graded 10 Jim Mint 1987 Fleer Reggie Jackson with the A's. So that's pretty nice to have a Beckett graded 10. Uh, the store had a lot of cool stuff, a lot of cool promotions. They actually even had pizza and donuts just for people walking in and looking around. So I had a pretty good time yesterday just picking up cards, free food, free baseball cards. I mean, it was a good time. Uh, they had a set of some junk wax packs for 50 cents each. Uh, I actually got three Donruss 88 cards and a pack of 1988 tops. And out of the out of the tops pack, I actually pulled a Bo Jackson. And no with the yeah, with the Donruss, I pulled a Carlton Fisk and a Mark McGuire. So for a dollar fifty, getting those three, I'll take it. <laughs> So, so Dom, uh, you know, last uh, last week when uh, Jeff and I were together, um, I uh, ended up I was at a flea market and I walked past it was it was a 1987 uh, Topps wax pack um, and he got some, some decent cards out of it. But uh, the gum was still in there and uh, we decided. Oh, why no, not? you didn't either, did you? <laughs> so, oh, yeah, we did. Oh, we did. <laughs> oh no. I'll I say it every time. Like what a dirty gym shoe smells like. That's what it tasted like. It was so horrible. But Jeff goes on to tell me that he eats it all the time, but he's grown accustomed to the taste. I really have. Interesting. <laughs> it was like powder. It just dissolved in my mouth. It just like it was. So Jeff, what's the oldest piece of gum you chewed then? It's oh gosh. I think it's definitely 80s. I know that. Uh, I'm not sure the oldest. I should maybe I'll have to set a record for myself. <laughs> it becomes like the consistency of like chalk, and then you just taste like old cardboard. It sounds about it. It was bad. It was bad. <laughs> and but yes, it... I ate the one out of my pack yesterday, too. <laughs> so... 33 34 year old gum and then and, and jeff's the connoisseur if you guys have any questions on on vintage gum jeff is the guy to go to there you go so jeff i'm going to start with you on this one what is your one fact about baseball all right this is kind of a two-parter and i don't really expect you guys to know this but uh i'll ask anyway so i'm going to talk about some clutch performers here so do you guys know in the last 50 years what batter has the highest slugging percentage with runners in scoring position? Jose Altuve. The solid guess. What was the time frame again on this question? What batter has the highest slugging percentage with runners in scoring position? Like, who's been the most clutch? Uh, all time? Last 50 years, actually. Last 50 so years? Yeah, more modern time frame. Pete Rose? Solid guess. Solid guess. Neither of you guys got it. I'm asking you another question now. Do you guys know what pitcher has the lowest slugging percentage allowed with runners in scoring positions? So pretty much the opposite. Who's been the best with pressure on base getting out of those jams the last 50 years? Nolan Ryan. Randy Johnson. What would you guys say if I told you the answer to both of those questions are the same person? Both of them, Shohei Otani. Wow. I should have seen that coming. I should have yeah, seen right. that. 
Right after you asked, okay, let me let me uh, ask who the pitcher is. I'm like, okay, it, could it be the same person? <laughs> it's just hard to believe. I mean, it just shows you even more like what a generational talent he is. And yet here he is sitting on a stinking A's team or a stinking Angels team that we can't even see in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, I tell people all the time when they talk about, oh, you, you guys do a baseball podcast, you know, anything I should know about baseball. And I'm like, if you're not paying attention to Shohei Otani, this is, you're watching, you know, history. Like, it's yeah. it's phenomenal. The, the guy is doing stuff that people say, oh, he hasn't, you know, done, nobody's done this stuff since Ruth. That, that was a different game back then. I mean, I don't think Babe Ruth could, could, participate in major league baseball nowadays the way the way mm-hmm. it is just he wouldn't be the same player he might be your average just you know dh or something like that and but what shohei is doing is just unbelievable yeah very true all right dom what do you got what is your one fact about baseball so going with my stats background i'm going to keep up with the uh, stats interesting stats that I've, I've been looking up recently. So did you guys know that Hall of Fame pitcher Warren Spann, a difficult Spahn. last name to pronounce. Yeah, that guy. His pitching career, he had 363 wins, 356 with the Braves, four with the Mets, three with the Giants. Did you know that batting, he had 363 hits, the same number of wins, with 356 with the Braves, four with the Mets, three with the Giants. Playoff wins, pitching, he had four wins in the playoffs, and batting, he had four hits in the playoffs. So if you look at a, you know, stat split of his whole career, he has the same number of hits as he does wins pitching. And you break that down with each team that he was on, the exact same stats. The, the odds of that happening are astronomical, and that, the fact that it even happened to to me is very surprising. <laughs> That's pretty freaky, yeah. right? I mean, you gotta think that at one point in time he's like, uh, "Shit, should I just swing and miss at this one?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that's one of those things. Like, are you even aware that like that's your stat breakdown until like the end of your career? I mean, back in the time that he played, like, you know, stats probably weren't as important to the game as they are now. So. Probably this wasn't really discovered until recently. Probably. That's amazing. That's that's amazing. I'll, I'll definitely have to look that that one tonight when we get off. Is this? I want to look at that and see exactly how 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 aware he was of that. So. <laughs> All right. Well, mine is uh, is not as exciting as those two. Um, but who spent the most time in the minors? How many years and at what age did they make their MLB debut? That's tough. I know the Phillies finally called up one of their uh, pitchers that have been in the minors for like 12 years or something like that. And he made his debut at like 35 or 36 this year or something. So I guess he would be my guest. Okay. I have no guess at all. I remember a couple of years back, um, you know, there was a big story of some guy that was like in the minors for like 17 years and finally like got called up and was actually playing pretty decent for like the week or so that he was up in the majors, but couldn't tell you his age, couldn't tell you what team he played for or his name. 
Well, well, that's probably the guy you're, you're thinking of. So his name is John William Lindsay, and he holds the record for spending the most time in the minor leagues. He played 16 years in the minors before being called up by the Los Angeles Dodgers in 2010, and he made his major league debut at age 33. Wow. That's a lot of grinding. That's a lot of, of bus rides and just – Dedication. Yeah. That just shows you his love and dedication to the game. You know, yeah. most players, if they're in the in the minors for ten years, they're just calling it quits. Like, okay, I'm never going to get called to the big leagues. This guy stuck around and probably at one point was like, okay, I can at least mentor, you know, these guys coming up through the system. I'm, I'm glad he was able to get his shot. Yeah, you got to you got to think that you know he's you know my you know double A single A triple A that. Some of those guys, kids are, you know, in their teens and yeah. early twenties, and so, you know, to be to hang on for that long uh, is remarkable. Anything else to add before we uh, end this episode, guys? No. I think enough. one thing that I still got to say about Juan Soto is he is only twenty-three. Talking about young guys, he's already got a World Series ring. He's already making the biggest trades in history. Like, we've got so much to see out of him still. Yeah, I, I didn't realize how young he was until he got traded. I thought, you know, he's been in the league for a couple of years now. So I was like, okay, he's got to be like 26, 27 maybe. No, he's going to be in the bigs for a long time. And does all that with the home run derby too? Oh, that's true. Yeah, so anybody that I talk to that, that you know, they go, oh, baseball's so boring. I'm like, what are you watching? Because – it is mm-hmm. not boring. Baseball is is such a fun sport, and if you pay attention to it, kind of like us nerdy guys who like baseball the way we do, you know, we, it's it's those little statistical things that that we find so fascinating. That's like you know how I've said this a million times on this show. How can you not be romantic about baseball when you you find out stuff like that? You know, you find out about Warren Spawn. You know, you know what's the the rarity or of that being able to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the, the likelihood in that ever happening that way is, you know, it's just amazing. So it is everything that goes against the stats, everything that goes against what should happen. I mean, this game has been going on for over a hundred years and every day there's still something new happening. That's the best yeah. part. Definitely. Definitely. We'll tune in next time for a little, maybe rundown of the, the, um, Field of Dreams game. We'll definitely go over that and, and uh, what happens with that. So, uh, thank you for tuning into this edition of On Deck, presented by Deep Dive Sports. Make sure you download us on all your podcast availabilities at Apple Music, Spotify. And until next time, baseball is America's pastime. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of On Deck as much as we have. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at deep.dive.sports. Or download us through Amazon, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. As always, we are on deck, presented by Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.